Chapter thirty four of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Monica Raleigh. April's Lady by Margaret Wolf Hungerford. Chapter thirty four. Then seemed to me this world far less in size likewise it seemed to me less wicked far like points in heaven i saw the stars arise and longed for wings that i might catch a star least said soonest mended tommy is on his feet again in no time and has picked up mabel before you could say jack robinson and once again nothing daunted by their ignominious entry they rush up the room and precipitate themselves upon their mother this pious act being performed thomas sees fit to show some small attention to the other people present thomas says mr brown when he has shaken hands with him if you wait much longer without declaring yourself you will infallibly burst and that is always a rude thing to do in friends drawing-room speak thomas or die you are evidently full of information well i won't tell you says tommy naturally indignant at this address he throws a resentful look at him over his shoulder while making his way to his grandfather there is a queer sort of sympathy understanding what you will between the child and the stern old man come here says sir george drawing tommy to him well and did you enjoy yourselves was it all your fancy painted it sir george has sunk into a chair with all the heaviness of an old man and the boy has crept between his knees and is looking up at him with his beautiful little face all aglow oh twas lovely says he twas splendid there was lights all over the house twas like night only twas night and that was grand and there were heaps of people a whole town was there and there were grandpa why did they have lamps there when it was daytime because they have no windows in a theatre says sir george patting the little hot fat hand that is lying on his arm with a strange sensation of pleasure in the touch of it no windows with big eyes opened wide not one then why have we windows asks tommy with an involuntary glance around him why are there windows anywhere it's ever so much nicer without them why can't we have lambs always like the theatre people why indeed says mr brown sympathetically sir george i hope you will take your grandson's advice to heart and block up all these absurd windows and let a proper ray of light descend upon us from the honest burner who cares for strikes not i well tommy we'll think about it says sir george and now go on you saw bluebeard says tommy almost roaring in the excitement of his delight a big bluebeard and he was just like the pictures of him at home with his toes curled up and the red towel around his head and the blue nightgown and a smitter in his hand a scimitar tommy suggests his mother gently eh says tommy well it's all the same says he after a pause replete with deep research and with a truly noble impartiality it is indeed says mr brown open encouragement in his eyes and so you saw mr bluebeard and did he see you oh he saw me cries mabel in a little whimpering tone he looked straight into the little house where we were 
and i saw his eye his horrid eye shaking her small head vigorously and it ran right into mine and he began to walk up to me and i she stops her pretty red lips quivering her blue eyes full of tears oh mabel was so frightened says tommy the bald she stuck her nose into nurse's fur cape and roared i didn't says mabel promptly you did says tommy indignant at being contradicted and she said it would never be worth a farthing ever after and well anyway you know mabel you didn't like the heads oh no i didn't i hated them they were all hanging to one side and there was nasty blood and they looked as if they were going to waggle concludes mabel with a terrified sob burying her own head in her mother's lap oh she is too young says barbara nervously clasping her little woman close to her in a quiet undemonstrative way but so as to make the child herself feel the protection of her arms too young for so dismal a sight says dysart stooping over and patting mabel's sunny curls with a kindly touch he is very fond of children as are all men good and bad i should not have let her go says mrs monkton with self-reproach such exhibitions are painful for young minds however harmless when she is older begins dysart still caressing the little head yes yes she is too young far too young says mrs monkton giving the child a second imperceptible hug one is never too young to learn the miseries of the world says miss lestrange in her most terrible tone why should a child be pampered and petted and shielded from all thoughts of harm and wrong as though they never existed it is false treatment it is a wilful deceiving of the growing mind one day they must wake to all the horrors of the world they should therefore be prepared for it steadily sternly unyieldingly what a grand what a strong nature says mr brown uplifting his hands in admiration you would then advocate the cause of the pantomime says he knowing well that the very name of theatre stinks in the nostrils of miss estrange far be it from me says she with a violent shake of her head may all such disreputable performances come to a bad end and a speedy one is my devout prayer but with a vicious glance at barbara i would condemn the parents who would bring their children up in a dark ignorance of the woes and vices of the world in which they must pass their lives i think as mabel has been permitted to look at the pernicious exhibition of this afternoon she should also be encouraged to look with calmness upon it if only to teach her what to expect from life good heavens says mr brown in a voice of horror is that what she has to expect rows of decapitated heads have you had private information miss lestrange is the rehearsal of the french revolution to be performed in london do you really believe the poor child is doomed to behold you ahead carried past the windows on a pike was there meaning in the artless prattle of our thomas just now when he condemned windows as a social nuisance or i suppose you think you are amusing interrupts the spinster malignantly it is plain that she objects to the idea of her head being on a pike at all events if you must jest on serious subjects i desire you richard to leave me out of your silly maunderings 
your will is my law says dicky rising i leave you he makes a tragic retreat and finding an empty chair near monkton takes possession of it i must protest against your opinion says dysart addressing miss lestrange with a smile children should be regarded as something better than mere lumps of clay to be experimentalized upon oh yes says barbara regarding the spinster gently but with ill-concealed aversion you cannot expect any one to agree with you there i for one could not i don't know that i ever asked you to says miss lestrange with such open impertinence that barbara flushes up to the roots of her hair silence falls on the room except for a light conversation being carried on between dicky and monkton both of whom have heard nothing lady monkton looks uncomfortable sir george hastens to the rescue surely you haven't told us everything tommy says he giving his grandson a pull toward him besides mr bluebeard what else was there lots of things says tommy vaguely coming back from an eager attention to miss lestrange's evil suggestion to a fresh remembrance of his past delights there was a band and it shouted nurse said it took the roof off her head but i looked and her bonnet didn't stir and there was the harlequin he was beautiful he shined like anything he was all over scales like a trout a queer fish says his grandfather he jumped about and beat things with a little stick he had and he danced and there was a window and he sprang right through it and he came up again and wasn't a bit hurt not a bit oh it was lovely grandpapa and so was his concubine his what says sir george his concubine his sweetheart that was her name says tommy confidently there is a ghastly silence lady monkton's pale old cheeks colour faintly miss lestrange glares as for barbara she feels the world has at last come to an end they will be angry with the boy her mission to london will have failed that vague hope of reconciliation through the children that she had yet scarcely allowed to herself need it to be said that mr brown has succumbed to secret but disgraceful mirth a good three-quarters of a full-sized handkerchief is already in his mouth a little more of the cambric and desperate suffocation will adorn the columns of the times in the morning sir george too what is the matter with him he is speechless from indignation one must hope what ails you grandpa demands tommy after a full minute's strict examination of him oh nothing nothing says sir george choking it is only that i'm glad you have so thoroughly enjoyed yourself and your harlequin and <laughs> your columbine columbine now mind and here's this for you tommy because you are such a good boy he opens the little grandson's hand and presses into the pink palm of it a sovereign thank you says tommy in a polite regulation tone he has been taught without a glance at his gift a touch of etiquette he has been taught to then the curious eyes of childhood wander to the palm and seeing the unexpected pretty gold thing lying there he colours up to the tips of his ears with surprise and pleasure then sudden compunction sizes on the kindly little heart the world is strange to him he knows but one or two here and there his father is poor a sovereign that is a gold piece would be rare with him why not rare with another 
though filled with admiration and gratitude for the giver of so big a gift the child's heart commands him not to accept it oh it is too much says he throwing his arms around sir george's neck and trying to press the sovereign back into his hand a shilling i'd like but that's such a lot of shillings and maybe you'd be wanting it this is all whispered in the softest tenderest way no no my boy says sir george whispering back and glad that he must whisper his voice even so sounds a little queer to himself how often he might have gladdened his child with a present a small one and until now keep it says he he has passed his hand round the little head and is pressing it against his breast may i really says tommy emancipating his head with a little jerk and looking at sir george with searching eyes you may indeed god bless you says tommy solemnly it is a startling remark to sir george but not so to tommy it is exactly what nurse had said to her daughter the day before she left ireland with tommy and mabel in charge when her daughter had brought her the half of her wages therefore it must be correct to supplement this blessing tommy flings his arms around sir george's neck and gives him a resounding kiss nurse had done that too to her daughter god bless you too my dear says sir george if not quite as solemnly with considerably more tenderness tommy's mother catching the words and the tone cheers up all is not lost yet the situation is saved tommy has won the day the inconsequent tommy of all people insult to herself she had endured but to have the children disliked would have been more than she could bear but tommy apparently is not disliked by the old man at all events that fact will be sweet to freddy after all who could resist tommy tears rise to the mother's eyes darling boy where is his like upon the whole wide earth nowhere she is disturbed in her rivalry by the fact that the originator of it is running toward her with one little closed fist outstretched how he runs his fat calves come twinkling across the carpet see mummy what i've got grandpa gave it to me isn't he nice now i'll buy a watch like puppies you have made him very happy says barbara smiling at sir george over her boy's head she rises as she speaks and goes to where lady monkton is sitting to bid her good-bye i hope you will come soon again says lady monkton not cordially but as if compelled to it and i hope too pausing as if to gather herself together that when you do come you will bring your sister with you it will give me us pleasure to see her there is such a thirst of pleasure in the tone of the invitation that barbara feels her wrath rising within her i thank you she manages to say very calmly not committing herself either way and presently finds herself in the street with her husband and her children they had declined lady monkton's offer of the brougham to take them home it was a bad time says monkton while waiting at a crossing for a cab to come to them but you must try and not mind them if the fact that i'm always with you counts for anything it may help you to endure it what help could be like it says she tightening her hand on his arm that old woman my aunt she offended you but you must remember that she offends everybody you thought her abominable oh no i only thought her vulgar says mrs monkton it is the one revenge she permits herself 
monkton breaks into an irresistible laugh it isn't perfect it couldn't be unless she heard you says he the cab has come up now and he puts in the children and then his wife finally himself tommy crowns all says he with a retrospective smile eh says tommy who has the ears of a midas your father says you are a social success and so does your mother says barbara smiling at the child's puzzled face and then giving him a loving little embrace End of chapter thirty four recording by monica rolly